This is a Radio 1 91FM podcast. Right now I'm joined by Arthur Taylor. Um, Morena to you, Arthur. Good morning, Jeremy. Good morning, Lost Right, um, former career criminal, uh, escape artist and jailhouse lawyer. Um, how do you feel about the tagline career criminal? Well, I suppose it was appropriate before I retired. Yeah. Now I'm retired. <laughs> Hence I used the former. Yeah, as we all do, as we all do, Arthur. Um, now, the last part I mentioned there was the jailhouse lawyer part, and that's the piece I want to begin with. Uh, you're not a qualified lawyer. Um, you couldn't sit your exams, of course, um, which I find kind of odd in itself. I mean, I, why you couldn't do them from where you were or, or anything like that, or why they just couldn't let you um, go and sit them somewhere else uh, with, with the guards. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it had something to do with, the, like, back in them days, the corrections department, what was, what's the corrections department now? It used to be the penal division of the Department of Justice, it used to run our prisons, mm-hmm. and they didn't like inmates being sort of too educated, you know, like the old slave owners back in the days of slavery, they yeah. didn't want the, in case they revolted, I suppose, or, or started um, demanding that they follow the rules and procedures and laws applicable to treatment of prisoners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and all that. Well, I'm not quite sure 100, percent but I assume that a lot of that's changed now. Um, with with uh, what not people really, not, not really, really, no. no. But that's a shame. There's been changes. It's only where the courts have forced them to. Yeah, we've got a yeah, section out. I'm sure law students will know. Um, section 24, subsection D, which provides that uh, anyone charged with an offence has got to have adequate time and facilities to prepare a defence. Mm-hmm. Now. You know, there's been a lot of legal action around what is adequate facilities. The corrections has been forced to sort of um, let prisoners have um, access to computers and things to, you know, if they're defending themselves or assisting their lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. Um, mm. You know, but you're well, you're well vested in New Zealand law, uh, and you must be the most qualified, unqualified law ex- uh, legal expert in the country. Um, what first brought you to? studying law was it just another escape avenue no well um, i was in that corporate prison and another older prisoner um, had a book called uh, luxford's police law which was the bible on uh, you know police summary offenses procedures and pre- summary summary law was now in our summary offenses act um and he gave it to me and had a really good sections on evidence and um well basically the whole law was also designed for police constables to, you know to learn the law so it was a really good ground um, well, well, that kind of jumps in because into my next question because um, we do have this kind of romanticized version of a jailhouse lawyer. You know, after watching all the Hollywood movies, uh, you know the type of where uh, an inmate goes under the wings of a convicted lawyer or something, um, gets a job in the prison library, uh, reads everything, um, you know, and becomes no, obsessed. No, no resemblance to reality in New Zealand prisons, Jake. You know, no. you get- Discouraged at every turn by the um, authorities, they don't they don't like um, prisoners helping other prisoners in place. They get a sort of um, status in the prison, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah. So they discourage it as much as they can. They certainly haven't got law libraries in our prisons and things like that. Um, no, I just used to enjoy helping people. Um, funny enough, and um, yeah, got a great deal of reward out of that. Yeah, of course, naturally, when you, you know when you know when you start winning cases. You know, yeah. um, well, you, 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 that, that of course takes it up another step. You know, what, what, was it originally about prisoner rights, or was it just your own? 
Uh, originally just about, you know, mainly to do with mine and the guys, same guys in, in, in our wing and now, you know, the wings I was in at the time. You know, trying to get them, because in all our prisons we used to have a big board up in the walls, um, up, setting out certain sections of the old Penal Institutions Act 1954. But it only had mainly the sections that uh, suited the prison. So I started looking into the act itself and found, and the regulations and found they had a great deal of um, things in there that would assist prisoners in getting a fair go. So I started um, publishing those sections and ex- excerpts, shall we say. Yeah, so I, that, that would have made um, you very popular with the powers that be. Oh, very popular. <laughs> Usually resulted in, that's why I spent so much time in solitary confinement. They used to try and remove me from being with the other prisoners and they saw me as a very bad influence on them. Yeah, and even yeah. trying to transfer me to other prisons and all that sort of carry on, you know. <laughs> um, now, yeah. the book covers everything. You say it all kind of began when you were you became a ward of a, of the state as a child in a boys' home, uh, and we know how notorious all those boys' homes have become now. Um, yeah, and, and the, yeah, and the horrors that went on within those walls and within the system. Um, you know, how did you originally end up there? Basically, um, I was pretty bright at school. Um, at my school, I was generally well ahead of all the other kids in my class. Um, I've seen from some uh, tests they did on me that I had a, a, a mental age, or reading age anyway, but eight, 18 at the age of 11, just nearly 12. Mm-hmm. So I was quite well ahead of the other kids in my class. And um, nowadays, I suppose I'd be streamed into a higher higher level. So it got boring, um, you know, having to do the stuff that's so easy for you. Yeah. Um, so I'd sort of wag school and go off and do a bit of fishing or study down the library. We didn't have the internet in them days, so I'd be down the library studying the stuff that I, I really was interested in. And, um, of course, they didn't look kindly on that in them days. They looked on it as a sign of um, a, a future lawbreaker, I guess. You wouldn't go to school. Or you, nowadays, they wouldn't take a blind bit of notice of it. You know, I, I think I might have missed 30 half days in a six-month period. I mean, they wouldn't even think about it nowadays. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So because yeah. of truancy... You got sent to a breeding ground, really, for what they uh, initially put you in there for. So they're thinking, right, he's being a bad bugger. Uh, he's, you know, struck, yeah, and it's always struck me as ironic, Jamie. <laughs> that they put they put me in a place for wagging school, a place that had no school, and so I couldn't go to school anyway. You know, yeah. Um, did you go to school many years later, but not, not when I first met there. No, I couldn't imagine they would have. Did you have a sense of rejection when you went in there? Not not necessarily from your loving family, no, but no, from society. No, no. My my the main sense I remember is being so so sad and distressed at being separated from my family. Mm. You know, and and not knowing when, how long this was going to go on for because they don't tell you nothing, anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course and this is for like uh, an eleven-year-old. You know, it's quite very distressing. You know. It wouldn't happen nowadays, I'm pretty sure. But back then, they another worst thing was they they didn't have they didn't separate the kids that went for like care and protection from those that were criminal offenders, youth justice, we'd call it nowadays. They mixed them all up together, so you can imagine what went on there. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can only imagine, yeah. and I don't want to yeah. imagine, uh, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, as we said before, so now you're in this, you know, you're 11 year old, you're, you're quite yeah. innocent and very bright, uh, and I, you're thrusted into this world. Um, yeah. And, totally alien. Yeah, totally alien, totally alien, with a bunch of bad buggers. 
yeah, I've never been separated from my family ever, you know, ever, ever previously. I've never had any interaction with the police scene, but apart from returning a helmet to them, because I had two, two paper runs, and uh, I found a Bobby's helmet that morning and from a fight the night before and took it down to the police station. That, that was my sum total of my interaction with the police, believe it or not. So, I mean, essentially, yeah. you were, you were, your, your career was created by the system, right? By the stuff. Yeah, I, yeah, look, I, I've no doubt, and I've no doubt, and I sat with hand on heart that I hadn't ended up in any pruning, hadn't been separated from my family. I would have just probably ended just probably a normal life. I mean, achieved very well at something, and um, I've never heard of me. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's and, very scary, you know, when I think about it, and I've wasted opportunities and wasted life, not just for me, but for my family, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I had to go on this journey with me, shall we say. So, I mean, when when you you got out of there when you got out of there what was your next step where did you go what did you start doing well i i started getting my back up you know you, you know so i must have had a rebellious streak in me and i started getting my back up and thinking you know what how why can they do this to me and things like that and of course yeah. i started to take on the moors of some of the, the other kids in there like i remember the first night i was in there jamie and um we went to the gymnasium and one of the other kids said to me, well, what, what are you in here for? And I, I thought, well, God, wagging school must be such a horrible, terrible crime. I better not admit that what I'm in here for. I made up some story about something else I was in there for, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I... But then after that, you know, you, you, you start realising what some of the other kids are in there for, serious crimes and that, and you just started you know, adjusting, your, I suppose, your moral compass. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, What's going on around you? Morals probably go out the window to a certain extent. Um, well, fortunately, fortunately, mine didn't to a great extent because I've been, you know, what was right and wrong had really been, you know, really sort of instilled into me by my beautiful, my wonderful mum, and um, you know, so that sort of stuck with me. Lucky I was in an age where that, some of that sort of hang, hang on, which is yeah. why, you know, I've tried to, you know, ameliorate when I've been involved in criminal offending as much as calm on anyone else as much as possible. Like stick to businesses and banks and things like that rather than ordinary people. Yeah, and and, and I heard you say on Kim Hill that you know, I mean, of course you weren't aware of PTSD back then. Um, no, you know, no. It, 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 no. and and I can understand that to a certain extent. So I mean, you thought you were just harming the system, uh, but there were certainly people yeah. that would have been harmed. Um, oh no doubt. So over the coming well, years, you know, you, you're committing crimes, you're going in and out of jail. Um, out, out legally sometimes, out not so legally sometimes. I mean, when you there's a twelve prison breaks, did you ever mm. really think that you were going to get away and not re recaptured? Well, you, you didn't really. You know, sort of at an age maybe when you didn't really care. You, you sort of um, you just thought right. The first thing I was getting out of here, you didn't really think what came after that. As long as you stayed ahead of the police, and we didn't have ten seven and all that sort of thing back in them days, so it was. Slightly easy to stay on the run. Ah, oh, crime watch though, classic crime watch. Yeah, that, well, that didn't come until the late. I can't remember when that came. The seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I had my first escape. I think it was in nineteen seventy-two or seventy-three. So, I mean, not only are you, uh, you know, learning law, but you're also escaping prison. Um, right. So, double fold, you're pissing off the system. You're pissing off your wardens, yep. uh, the screws. Uh, you, you know, you're pissing off probably the Minister of Justice at the time, oh. all the way to the top. 
I think I think the superintendent of, of, of Mount Crawford when I was there had, had him on speed dial. Yeah, I bet he did. That was a lot lot different country back then, a lot smaller. Everybody knew each other. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that puts a big target on your back, right? Oh, right, because anybody that, you know, it's not, it's not just New Zealand, though. You, you Google um, Bush Lawyer or Charles Lawyer and any system anywhere in the world, and you'll see they come in, they get singled out for special attention yeah. by the authorities. They mm-hmm. see them, I think they see them as a bit of a threat, you know, like a danger to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why I ended up in Perimero Maximum Security Prison, did most of my time up there. You know, when I wasn't really, really violent or anything. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, you, you weren't I've a mess. I've never even been convicted of assaulting anybody. No. I mean, physical assault on anybody. No, ever. But isn't Ma- Max also about keeping you in a place where you can't get out? <laughs> it seems you had such yeah. a notorious reputation for getting out. Well, that that, that, that was part of it, too, of course. But, um, you know, there's, there's, there's other people have escaped and, and, and worked, um, oh, I didn't have such a record in them days um, to start with. Because I first went to Perimera and and they threw me in the D block, the worst part of Peru, in 1977. Mm-hmm. Place that only been open about 10 years, nine years. Yeah. Still yeah running and down I was from Wellington in them days. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, with that, they're probably putting you in a space with people where you can learn more from and make oh, yeah. better contact. Hell yeah. Definitely. I, I remember when I got into D block, you know, I was the youngest, the youngest in D block. And probably the one that knew the least about crime. I've seen learned a hell of a lot, believe me. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had, the, we had experts there, you could say. Guys like Dean Whitcliffe and, um, you know, the, the Hells Angels boys. You know, we had a lot of them there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So once again, it's the state yeah. putting you in a situation and in a space to create a criminal. Yeah. I, I don't really think they actually intended to do that. It's just they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Like, yeah, you know they just thought, well, we've got a street here. Let's um, what's the best way of neutralising it? I guess. Indeed, indeed. Now you've got a yeah. couple of um, there's been a couple of cases pending at the moment. One has just um, kind of wrapped up, um, and this is Operation Swift. So can you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit of what actually happened? Well, back in about in, in 2017, they were getting due to open the new Auckland Maximum Security Prison that replaced Perimeter. Yeah. This is my thoughts on it anyway, JB, right? Yeah. Um, now, obviously, I was they considered me a real thorn on their sides because I was effectively the only one that could neutralise their unlawful actions that they were carrying on. Strip searches, things like that. And I've won numerous you know, cases on that. I got nearly every prisoner for $1,000 each on uh, my last strip search case. Wow. Um, 209 prisoners unlawfully strip searched. Um, it's that sort of thing. They saw me, I think, as a threat and they wanted to... They wanted to basically have a free hand at opening the new maximum security prison where they could do what the hell they liked, you know, but irrespective of the law. So they had the bloody plan to transfer me to Vicaria. Now, ask yourself this, is a lower security prison than, uh, than Perimera, mate. Perimera is a maximum security prison. They decided to transfer me down there. Now, I had no reason to be in Vicaria. I had no, no family down near Vicaria. I had nothing, you know. Effectively, I was getting thrown out, out in the Wapwaps. Yeah, and what carries a hell of a lot further than the um, than the Auckland High Court than the um, than the Perimeter. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So they ha- they hatched a plan called Operation Swift, and underneath they had uh, I think it was a play on Taylor Swift because they had uh, 
entire <laughs> transfer done, right? It was like the D-Day invasion. They had every possibility all planned out. And then um, that day, they um, obviously I wasn't keen on going because I had my parole coming up in, uh, in Auckland. I had all sorts of things going on in Auckland myself. And there was no reason for me to be transferred, so I refused to go. Flat out refused to go. So they decided to use um, this, this plan, Operation Swift, and use force. Now you ask yourself, if you're a maxim, in a maximum security prison, you don't use force to transfer someone to a lower security prison because they're not suitable to go there, are they? No. It's, it's completely contradictory in itself. You know, it's intrinsically contradictory. So that's how you know there was higher uh, forces at play here than just simply wanting to transfer me. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So then they used force. Somehow they got me unconscious. And, and, and I went on about a four-hour trip to Waikaria from Auckland, a special escort vehicle with about six or seven guards, and they claim a nurse was present, but I was unconscious the whole way, so I don't know what the hell happened. I, 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 got, I went unconscious at Perimera, and I woke up at Waikaria in, 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 in a cell with a bare concrete bloody floor, and nothing. And hot as hell, if I remember. So, uh, of course, um, we eventually managed to get the, a lot of the CCTV footage and things. And um, it, it, it now shows what went on. So I, I issued proceedings against uh, Attorney General as representing corrections in the Wellington High Court. And it's set for a six-day trial starting in February next year. But we're in negotiation. Um, the I think they've, you know, they've seen that they've seen the evidence. They've seen the uh, they can see the writing on the wall, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. So um, that one's done. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, you come to a great yeah. settlement for that one. Hopefully, um, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, yeah. They, I flew a lawyer down from, I flew one of the top lawyers down from Wellington to see me in Dunedin um, about two weeks ago. We ended up Spates Ale House having a nice lunch, actually. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. On the, on the company great. card? Paid for. Yeah, 25 yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. They're still, they're still paying for your meals. That's good. Um, so why did you decide to write the book? been saying to me after you've got to write a book even prison officers and police yeah been, they say to me, you need to write a bloody book you know so i thought god i've got a bit of time on my hands now about and then i ran into kelly dennett and without her i couldn't have, this book wouldn't have been possible yeah. kelly's a um, you probably know kelly she's um, a senior editor at stuff and um, i think she, she's she, she's a uh, runs journalism courses and things mm-hmm. yeah she's not yes, she's brilliant i found her awesome so her and I, she did a story on me um, my first year out of prison. Yeah. So I liked her style of writing. So we both got our heads together and um, decided to do it. Yeah. And I see you've um, become um, quite tight with some of the faculty at Otago in the law department. Yeah. Um, um, are you going to... Andrew, you know Andrew Gittis down there? Yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Of course, Mark Hennigan, he was, he's an awesome bloke. Yeah, yeah. My first night out, um, out of prison and, um, in February 2019, uh, Mark happened to be in Auckland. I mean, he came down and saw me, but we both got on the bus. <laughs> 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 we cracked the that one out on me and Mark. Um, so do you think you'll... Out that night, yeah. Do you think you'll, you'll get qualified? I don't really... Well, I'm just sort of enjoying myself now, Jamie. I, I don't really need to be qualified. Really, qualification is just a, a certification to the world that you can do the job. You know, you yeah. can do what... But, but yeah, most people know I can do what I can do. You know, I've got those proven results. Um, That's right. And I've made a, um, quite a helpful change to the District Courts Act where corporations and um, non, non-personal entities, you know, like um, corporations and um, 
agencies and things, they can be represented by A, a lawyer, B, an officer of the company, or C, an attorney, which is anyone they appoint for that purpose. They can actually be represented now. So I see a lot of, if I'm starting to do, go back into legal, you know, a lot of non-constitutional administrative legal work, you know, just bread and butter stuff, then I could make quite a good earning there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can imagine you yeah. get quite a lot of uh, jobs representing. Um, oh, I've got uh, <laughs> contact me all the time, honestly, every day, you know. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. I I represented myself once, actually. I must say, oh, actually, more than once, twice. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's empowering, isn't it? It's empowering, isn't it? Well, it is empowering, and you know, I always saw it as a yeah. way of being able to speak to the judge person on person. Yep. And, yep. you know, I, I never really trusted, um, you know, just, uh, yep. uh, you know, just someone that came in to rep because they, they're doing 100 cases a, a week. I know. That well, I have. Um, all the time, every week, I've got people contacting me to chase their lawyers up. And, you know, I've got to put pressure on them to do their job properly and things, you know. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, right. it's just, yeah. So what do you think people are going <laughs> to learn from, learn from this book? Well, I'm hoping they'll be inspired inspired you know and um, that's what I'm, I'm reading a lot about and inspiring people to show them that you know don't don't be put off by thinking it's hopeless or i can't do that or it's impossible i'm up against too much you know you, you can do it you can do it if you're determined enough and you, you rock, formulate the right strategy and plan you can it's amazing what you can do right? i'm always put in mind of the old special air service SAS motto yeah he or she who dares wins yeah yeah, yes, yeah. that's true. That's what it's all about, inspiring people. Well, good, good. Well, um, you know, and, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you can inspire people, you've you've completely turned the yep. corner, turned everything on its head. Um, yep. You know, you've done some bad things. You've, you you know that. Yep. You've you've said as as such. You're not hiding oh, behind man. anything. I I lead a pretty open life. I don't resolve from you know anything really that I've done you know I've fully turned and I'm very sorry for what I've done I suppose a lot but I I, I console myself you know, by the fact I sleep very well every night and the reason I do that is because I've got a clear conscience because I know I've done a hell of a lot more good than bad yeah alright i made up for it I suppose yeah and that's only you know and that's that's um mm-hmm. You know, and if we can do, if everyone can do that, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, well um, it's a great read. Everyone does good and everyone does bad to a certain extent, you know. But no oh. one's a perfect angel. No, no, we know yeah. that. Not even the angels. There's not all that many go around organising armed robberies and things. No, that, that's, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. It's a matter of scale. <laughs> yeah. So my, my scale of good has had to be commensurately much greater. Yeah, it has. It has. And the thing is, you've got many more years of good to come, and it's hopefully uh, no more bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, it's, uh, it's a great read. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the few photos that were in there as well, um, you know, to get a glimpse, um, you know, of your life and, and your journey. Um, so thank you for joining us, Arthur. One last thing, I'm really enjoying getting all the feedback I get, you know, on Facebook and that and uh, Messenger and phone calls I get from people that have really enjoyed my book, you know, from yeah. as far apart as the Cook Islands, Queensland. I had one in yesterday from an 81-year-old lady. She said, I couldn't put it down, Arthur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying that, eh? <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff.
Bring a bit of joy to people over lockdown. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, you can order your copy online, so you'll be able to get it sent to your house by courier. Um, yep. So go out there go out there and grab yourself a copy of this wonderful book. Uh, Arthur, I thank you once again for joining us this morning. Okay. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks to your listeners for having me. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Yep. Thanks for listening to Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.